0: The other thing is, I realized as a security engineer, I became a really good generalist. Now I think about it, like a lot of security engineers are really good generalists because they need to think from very different perspective and look at things from different lenses. For example, like if you're talking to a developer or a product manager, or you're talking to a, a customer, or you're talking to CISO or security leadership, or you're talking to engineering leadership, your conversation has to change so that you can communicate that effectively. The same technical problem that you're explaining to a developer, the conversation will be very different talking to the same problem to an engineering leadership. So you need to develop those skills of explaining and breaking down problems into simpler form as well as have the ability to go much deeper and on technical side.
1: From Cobalt at home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. Bipin Gadjabieh is a security professional with over 12 years of experience in InfoSec. Born and raised in India, he moved to the United States to pursue further education and got his Master of Science in security informatics from John Hopkins University. Bipin is a friend from back in the day when we worked together at Sigital, where he started his security career. Since then, he's worked at some awesome places, acting as principal member of technical staff at Oracle and later working on product security at Salesforce. He's now a product security partner at Stripe and an angel investor and cybersecurity advisor, helping early stage security startups with their strategies, direction, and networking. I am so excited to be here with Bippin to share his story with you and get his unique perspective on where security and business intertwine. Bippin, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I'm super excited.
1: We are so excited. I am mostly just thrilled that I get to talk to you for a little bit. And we also happen to be pressing the recording button. And so, you know, the the fun and the joy of our conversation gets to be shared so much further. Bipin, i like to start at the very beginning. Tell me your story. How did you join the information security industry?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I didn't really plan to be in this field. It's a bit of luck, actually. So I did my undergrad in electronics, which is completely different than what I'm, I'm doing right now but i've always been interested in computers in general by interested i mean not learning or programming i was more interested in using it as like a fun cool device to just play games so like talk to strangers on on the internet on yahoo messenger back in those days and but growing up i think i've always been very curious so i remember when i got my first computer It was a desktop and it was probably running like Windows uh, 98 or XP and uh, it's early 2000s or late 90s, around that time. And the storage space on those computers would be like very less. So what I would do is basically I just go and delete a bunch of files just to like make more space. And I had no idea what, what I was doing. So I may end up deleting like system files or like libraries and whatnot. And the computer will stop working, and then I'll get this blue screen. The next time it'll restart. So I I would go ahead and like find those installation CDs, and do a fresh reinstall of the operating system. And I would do the same thing like after a few days again and again because I would I would try to figure out okay which files does what and like so I really loved poking around things, and uh, I would figure out uh, I would also play games on computer. So I would go in that folder and try to see which files are responsible for like graphics or like which are images file, which are like audio files and try to like poke around that and delete some uh, and just play around with that. So I really like liked doing those things, not as I wasn't doing it to learn. I was just like trying to figure out how things work or like wh- what, how do I make more storage space? And also the memory, the RAM, uh, the random access memory uh, those days used to be like very less. So what we would do with a group of friends is we just like, you can actually take out those RAMs, uh, especially in desktops, and you can put it into like a different computer. So we would just, uh, a couple of friends, will bring our own RAM, uh, put into one computer and like just play a like very high high resolution game or the games which like, requires a lot of memory and like graphics and whatnot. So I didn't realize like just hacking those things uh, back in the days as like in my early teenage years. So yeah, fast forward to when I graduated in electronics, I had no job. It was uh, pretty difficult to get a job in electronics and I was keep hearing about computer science. And uh, so I, I thought I should check it out. So I took some classes, learned Java and C++. Did some Cisco networking certification. I think I also did Oracle database certification. And I uh, thought, okay, what are my options? Like, anyway, I have very limited options to decide. So I have decided to go for a graduate program in the US. And I applied for like a bunch of uh, schools for a computer science program. But while I was doing that, I also came across uh, security programs. And that really sounded very exciting to me because it could like connect to my curious side of things where I can, okay, hacking sounds so cool. So maybe I should go in this field and figure out. So I just like as a backup option, I applied to a couple of security programs and luckily got into a a good school at uh, an InfoSec program. And that's how I just got into this rabbit hole of security industry.
1: It's so cool. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. You know, I can just imagine you as a young guy playing video games and just trying Mm -hmm. to get it to work. My daughter now is in grade school uh, and she loves video games. And I find myself as her parent actually having to manage these things on her like gaming laptop. It's pretty wild Mm -hmm. today that actually there are gaming laptops with this amount of, of capacity. And, you know, she'll come to me and she'll say, mom, uh, I really want this mod. I really want this Minecraft <laughs> mod. I really want this, you know, slime rancher mod, uh, yeah. whatever it is. And I'm I'm like trying to figure it out. And I kind of went into it pretty casually. And I was like, okay, like if she wants a mod, I'll go find it, a YouTube video mm-hmm. and try and do the mod for her. Um, And every once in a while, I just like totally mess her thing up. <laughs> and then we just <laughs> start over. And then I have to explain to her you know, this little one who spent like thousands of her hours of her life probably building these worlds that like mommy accidentally deleted her worlds because I was trying to get this mod to work. So yeah. anyway, it resonates.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think when you're young, just... <laughs> you try to figure out I if mean, you're doing it for a different reason, but it's is much difficult right now uh, in, in current gaming platforms or so current computers to mess with things. But yeah. in like, those early days it was super easy to just go into files and like figure out which file is responsible for my game score. And uh, what if I delete this and see what happens?
1: It's really cool. You know, and I love learning about your curiosity and your persistence. Bip and I'll, I'll invite you to to jump in this, uh you know, time travel capsule with me and we'll zip forward to the present. You have held technical security roles at some really like global, interesting, important companies, information security roles at Salesforce, Oracle, Stripe. I wonder if you would give us a little view into your experiences working there, um, particularly uh, any interesting challenges that you might've come across and maybe any interesting lessons uh, that you learned from your tenure there.
0: Sure, yeah. So I've been at these companies for, they like combined all three companies been to about 12 years and, you know, like a lot has changed in the last 10 years. There's so much advancement, like adoption of cloud computing, mobile devices, a bunch of apps. So I've seen like all that happened and how that translate into the work that I, I've been doing with these companies. I started with consulting, you know, that work for work together for Digital and then when I moved to product company, that was Oracle, my first product, product company, there was a bit of a change in perspective because in consulting, you would just go in, do the engagement 10, 12 days, two weeks, a month, and then get out. And then you don't really know what's happening after that. But on product side, the things are very different. You have to own things. If you find something, you have to like keep track of how do how you going to fix it? And the focus is mostly on solving problems and uh, how do you solve problems at scale. So lessons learned, I think on product companies, especially like some big tech companies like Oracle Salesforce and Stripe is a startup, a biggest startup. So I would say is uh, more on learning constantly because there would be there's no option to not learn because the things will change very fast before you know it this new product is coming or before, you know, like new tag is coming, you're going to cloud, you're going to on-prem, you're, you're taking this customer data or that customer data. So that stack is constantly changing. So you need to keep learning. I think with security engineering, it's not an option to just focus on one thing because you have to understand how things come together, especially for a complex product for something like Salesforce. And, uh, so that's one thing uh, that's that's a good learning experience for me. The other thing is I realized as a security engineer, i become a really good generalist. And now I think about it, like a lot of security engineers are really good generalists because they need to th- think from a very different perspective and look at things from different lenses. For example, like if you're talking to a developer or a product manager, or you're talking to a, a customer, or you're talking to CISO or security leadership, or you're talking to engineering leadership, your conversation has to change so that you can communicate that effectively. The same technical problem that you're explaining to a developer, the conversation will be very different talking to the same problem to an engineering leadership. So you need to develop those skills of explaining and breaking down problems into simpler form, as well as have the ability to go much deeper on technical side. It's also true. It's just, so this is a one of more of a soft skill part, but on the tech side also, there is different way to look at problems. Let's say you found a vulnerability. You need to see, is it a web vulnerability? Is it an application? Is it on mobile device? How is it going to impact your customers or user? What are the trade-offs to fix? Uh, is it a standalone issue or it's going to create a long-term security debt? Or is it, does it affect multiple products, multiple applications? You need to really understand what's the impact of this across the suite of products that your company might have. And how do you deploy the fix at scale? If, if you're fixing this, just is it a one-off instance, or you need to is it an opportunity to write a framework or a secure library or create a paved road? So I think this is more of a focus on product companies that I've seen. Uh, you have to be ready to build things uh, in house. There's work push on automation, and you need to be ready to like find gaps and identify opportunities for automation.
1: It's so cool! Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm just getting excited like hearing you talk about this stuff. You know, I think that there is something so interesting about a person in a security consulting role uh-huh. that's different from a person in a practitioner role, you know, and I think that when you share with us about your experience, like stuff at scale, right? Stuff at scale and stuff with so many dependencies, with trade-offs, with different impacts. Yeah. Thank you. So shifting from your practitioner experience to cybersecurity from a different perspective, which is you're not only an experienced cybersecurity professional, you also support upcoming businesses as an angel investor. I would love to hear more about this. How does your perspective change with these two roles in combination?
0: Sure, yeah. So, yeah, let me clarify, these are like very small investments that I made in a couple of early-stage cybersecurity startups. And I'm now I'm more, more open to just investing in tech startups in general, but like small checks. So <laughs> the angel investor word seems like a very strong word. But yeah, talking about startups, I've always been fascinated with startups and I really admire and have huge respects for entrepreneurs. I always wanted to like learn more about startups, especially how they go from just an idea to like a product market fit. And I had no way to figure out how do i get those information and even if you're searching on google or if you're just reading case studies or following some somebody on youtube or the startup journey you don't really get to see the like day-to-day experience or like the the struggles that they do so i figured out that if i be an investor and an advisor i can actually see those all those problems and the journey from up close so i try to figure out how do i do that and Fortunately, found a couple of companies that I end up investing in, and that gives me a opportunity to actually give me like a special lens to see things and actually see their struggles, see their small wins and day to day problems and like problems with hiring, finding customers. And since I'm in cybersecurity, that's the best expertise I can bring to the table. So if they have, and this is a cybersecurity startup, so they are solving a problem in security space where I could definitely help them with brainstorming the product roadmap, identifying the gaps in the market or finding those initial customers or just in general, just with networking. And my whole aim was to just see things as they go, especially in the early stage, because this is really hard. Like startups are very hard. Uh, I don't know if I could ever do that, but I still wanted to see how things work. And this... Investments allowed me the opportunity to see things of very close without getting involved or without actively working for any of these companies. So that was my whole uh, reason to get into this. And then I picked cybersecurity because there is, you know, there's so many vendors in cybersecurity. There is so many problems to solve. The market is huge. Uh, I was reading something. There was like the loss of cyber, cyber crime losses. Just in like last year, it goes into trillions of dollars with the T. So the space is is pretty huge. And since I am more into app hacker, all my all my professional life, this also gave me a opportunity to learn about different problem space just within cybersecurity. Learn about what's happening in endpoint security, what's happening in threat detection, what's happening in, in GRC and governance and compliance, and and like the list, list is endless. So this has been like super helpful experience for me because I get to learn more about security areas that I wouldn't ordinarily do in my day-to-day job.
1: It's really cool. I also love and am pseudo obsessed with cybersecurity startups, startups in general. And then of course, because of our background, cybersecurity, you know, one day you and I will have to sit down together and I'll tell you the story of Cobalt. We started the company, well, I joined when the company was small, about 10 people, and today we're more than 200, and, and it's been such a fascinating journey. Very Yeah, I would cool. love
0: that. I really love hearing about stories. In general, startup stories are always very much fun, and it's very different for everybody. It is, you would hardly find two people have a similar story, because every sector or every industry or every entrepreneurs bring a different perspective and different way of doing things.
1: Yeah. There's like this grand adventure, you know? Yes. And there's like so many external factors that you have no control over, but what you do have control over is like what waves do you ride, you know? And then there's so much about strategy and execution and team building and this and that. And certainly, very hard work, certainly a lot of luck. Um, So it's just, it's super exciting. And I love that you pursued this interest uh, in such a very concrete way. Bippin, I wonder if you can share with our listeners, how might you advise someone to talk to board members and investors about cybersecurity, you know, and I think there's really two different angles that you could take this and I'll leave the choice up to you. One angle might be as a security practitioner at an organization, how do I talk about cybersecurity posture to our board members, to our investors? You know, another way to look at it might be how do you talk to board members and investors if you're an entrepreneur developing a cybersecurity offering. Would love to hear your
0: thoughts. Sure. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. Let me take the as an entrepreneur angle first. So when you're talking to investors, giving your pitch in general, you really need, need to focus on what problem you're solving, and why. How do you put that very efficiently? You need to do a lot of homework. You really need to understand the problem space very deeply. You need to know end to end how things are working. What's the impact of this problem? What kind of problem are you solving? I'm going to quote this uh, this this block crash override um, by Mark Curfee. and he puts it in a bit good, good way. He said, are you solving a gunshot to the chest problem or are you solving a paper cut problem? So that's really I really love that sentence. If you're building a feature or or a product, there's a big difference there. If you're really solving a big problem, then you need to understand the depth of it, what's the market, who is buying it and who does it impact? Is it a B2B, is it B 2 B2C? Having all those like research really gives you a competitive advantage over, uh, over your competitor or be a differentiator. It also gives you a perspective there. Once you start doing more and more research, you'll say, okay, this is probably a paper cut problem. Maybe it's just a small feature you're building. And there's, there's nothing wrong where you can even do that. It's like, it's just a small market. In the beginning it's very difficult to figure that out but doing your due diligence and really understanding the problem space whatever is the security is, is outside security is it just a tech startup in general uh, talk to your customers i used to think that it's difficult to talk to people and difficult to reach out to random strangers or random people on linkedin but it's not if you're an entrepreneur you really need to like talk to like, a bunch of people who are your prospective customers and really understand the problem space. And also the second thing with that is when, let's say you found a solution and you build this really great product, but nobody knows that you have solution to this problem. So how do you communicate that to, to the user? Uh, how do you, how does somebody know that this guy over here is solving this X problem? You need to wait to advertise there or communicate that, or you need to wait to Figure out a way how to bring this in front of your buyers. Uh, that's that's a uh, important uh, the second point. And this actually just it's a good segue to get into the security program side where you're working for a, a big company. You are part of a security org.
1: You know, Bipin, I think that your analogy and way of looking at it, like, is it a paper cut or is it a gunshot wound to the chest? You know, that just illustrates such an important aspect from the startup perspective. And I actually think that your response to one of our prior questions with regards to your experiences at, at places like Salesforce, Oracle, and Stripe, you know, you actually did talk about what it's like as a practitioner uh, communicating to different stakeholders. So, Biven, you mentioned that you've seen so much change in both cybersecurity as well as technology over the past, you know, decade and more. How do you feel like the startup scene is adapting for increased customer demand for privacy and security? How how might you advise tech startups to, to prioritize both security as well as growth?
0: Yeah, I think so. Definitely there is improved demand for privacy and security, especially privacy. Uh, You have have seen some big changes uh, in privacy space in recent past. GDPR is one example. As California uh, Privacy Act. So if you are building a solution or building a product or building even a mobile, Apple has also put out their own privacy restrictions and the information that they share with their user. So if you're building anything around that, you need to be aware of all the regulation that applies to you. Is it B 2 B2B? It totally depends on the type of business you are uh, getting into. If it's a B2B, there is a different regulation apply, different set of compliance and regulation requirement. And if you're going for B2C, you're looking at more of a app space or like a mobile space where there's different set of uh, data gathering practices and you should be aware of. Privacy is, is a big topic and I think it can only to solve this tech problem of privacy, this has to go from uh, it's a top-down approach. It has to be it comes from regulation, putting in companies through those those um, government mandated regulations so that they don't abuse your information. So that's about privacy. Uh, how do we prioritize security and growth? How do startups prioritize security and growth? Uh, I think in the beginning they don't really care about security. The growth is is much more important because you need to survive. But if you're growing faster, if you're getting a lot of users or, or initial good customers, big B2B customers, then you have to think about security. There's no way to escape that. And the good thing with nowadays is especially for tech startup, there is so many frameworks. There's so many existing off-the-shelf tech that you can use that also provides you with some security features and capabilities. And you just need to be aware of how to use them. You just need to be like, Turn it on, like if you're using AWS. Or if, let's say you are, for example, using putting information on in an S3 bucket, you need to make sure it's not public. In startup, it's very common that you make it public just because you want to share it with your teammate and some other geolocation. So you make it public, but you forget to turn it back to to private or like forget to delete the data. So I think having those like general security common sense or at least keeping a log of things that if you think something, let's say you're sharing data with somebody within your team mate uh, in a different geolocation and S3 bucket. But if you create a log of that, okay, I did this, make a note to yourself, make a security log, where as you grow bigger and bigger, once in a while, you can go back to that log and see, oh, I did this, which was little gray area. I try to, and then you can go and fix it. There's always a debate about security and features, right? And even in in a big companies, there's always a trade-off between do you want to do this? At, at what cost? It's, it's much harder for startup because they don't even have resources. So for startups, for tech startups in general, even though you're using all those frameworks and all those advanced tech that provide you some security out of the box, but there's always like a bunch of open source software. This open source culture is super huge at this time. You can use open source scanners, you can use a secret detection uh, we uh, can try different things, build some kind of a smaller open source practice, open source security program or tooling in place. But it totally depends on like at what growth, growth stage are. You at so in the beginning they don't really care about security. They don't wanna they wanna get customers. So the focus is very different. I think it only comes in once you have the actual customers, and I think the lines get drawn when you have customer data. If it's B2B, there is the, the way you handle customer data is gonna be very different versus collecting consumer data. And that's where you need to start thinking about security because you're opening doors for lawsuits and regulation. If you do something, if you screw up something, like recent example of LastPass hack, although it's like a big company now, but once you have data from your customer, it's an obligation for you and it's a liability and as well as an opportunity so finding the right balance to secure that and use it efficiently is is probably a good way to go about it
1: i think that at the end of the day security is about protecting value and a very early stage startup frankly doesn't have much value yet you know and as that organization grows they accumulate And begin to create more and more value and therefore cybersecurity becomes more and more important. Uh, And definitely customer and sensitive data, storing that data, processing that data, creating that data puts an organization in a totally different place than when they're before that stage. Bipin, I want to say thank you so much for spending this time with me today. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you about all of this stuff. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your experiences with our listeners today.
0: Sure, yeah, I love, I love the questions. I had a great time talking to you.
1: Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pen test as a service company. You can find us on Twitter, at humans of InfoSec.